If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Talk to nicely. This will be my last transmission. If you're hearing this, please know that I did my best to save you all. I've run out of food and there's just no cure to this plague. When I die, my body will be located at... Please burn the place to the ground and pour concrete atop of the remains. There's no solution. Please, do not open the door. I'm so sorry for what we have created. But as long as I die inside this building, it means you all get to live. In the beginning of 2012, I joined a group called Sano Project, a bunch of scientists funded by an unknown prospector. Our goal was simple in concept only to produce a vaccine that would immunize people via aerosol droplets. We'd been given a heap of different substances and pathogens to achieve the desired effect. We'd be using mice for the experiment, but due to the high risk of accidental contagion, we were put into lockdown for the duration of the experiment, which was only supposed to last six months. Food and supplies would be delivered using an isolated lift, taking everything we needed underground into an airlock. When we started, There were six of us, with Professor Jenkins in the lead. He was an old and equally odd fellow, but he was the top in his field. There was no one more suited for the job, and the five of us that worked under him greatly admired the man. Still, outside of work hours, he confined himself to his room with lab reports and an endless pile of books about exotic infectology. Honestly, as much as I enjoyed working under such a great mind, he scared me at times. He seemed overly enthusiastic about the experiment part, and less so about saving lives. For the first five months, work went on as normal. We combined different pathogens and tried to create harmless fragments from their protein capsule, aerosolizing them as a vaccine, hoping the mice's bodies would absorb them. It was an endless stream of disappointment, as the poor animals kept dying. Then, at the end of the six-month contract, Professor Jenkins created something new entirely. While it wasn't anything near what we wished, he'd managed to invent something no one thought possible. He'd mixed a strain of highly infectious virus with a bacteria. It was a miracle with limitless harmful potential, and it terrified us. Still, his explanation somewhat lulled half the staff into a false sense of security. His idea was that the right mix of pathogens, he could invent a virus that integrated itself into the human genome which then started producing a new type of defense mechanism entirely, something separate to the immune system. To us, it sounded like a ludicrous fever dream, but the higher-ups were convinced by his ramble, basically forcing us to stay under lockdown for another six months as we worked on Professor Jenkins' new personal pet project. We followed orders, 
making countless hybrid pathogens, all in the hopes that it might lead to a cure for all infections. I repeatedly voiced my concerns, but the rest were too afraid of reprisals to take my side. Then, halfway into the second term, the professor called me into his office. He looked unbelievably tired, as if he'd been awake for days. I hadn't seen him much lately, as he'd always confined himself to his office while he did grunt work. I've finally done it, Carl, he said ecstatically. A vaccine? But we haven't even started the aerosolized trials yet? I asked, confused. He chuckled. We won't need trials. Not for this. What are you talking about? I thought you would get it, Carl. Have you even looked around the world lately? We create cures for everything from basic infections to cancer and genetic mutations. We keep people alive decades past their supposed lifespan. And for what? To finally destroy the planet? To let our sheer numbers be the inevitable downfall of mankind? He went to the door, locking it before removing the key. I felt adrenaline surge through my body. And though I knew something horrible would come next, I hadn't the faintest clue what. I've created something that will save us all, but I need someone to start it all. Someone younger, healthier than myself. With that, he plunged a syringe into my neck before I could react. I pulled it out as fast as I could, but whatever its contents, it had been injected into my bloodstream. What the hell? I started to say before the world went black before me. As I was left unconscious, I couldn't tell whether I had died or if I was just sleeping. It all felt so quiet around me, but also warm. It was an odd sensation, almost as if pressure was building up within me, getting ready to explode. Then, as if no time had passed at all, I awoke once more, lying on the cold floor of Professor Jenkins' floor. He was sitting behind his desk with labored breathing. Ah, you're finally awake. That means it has finally begun. He struggled to get out between breaths. I sat myself up and looked over at the professor. His skin looked oddly red, with flakes forming from ruptured blisters all over his body. What did you do? I gave you the cure. The only thing that can destroy humanity. My creation. It'll save this planet from us. His head started sinking as more blisters formed on his body. On his arm, chunks of flesh had rotted straight off. He was infected with something. The same thing he'd given me. Don't worry, Carl. You're the only one that can withstand this disease. That's why you're special. Because you'll be the one that is remembered as Patient Zero. He passed out on his desk, barely breathing. Then I heard knocks on the door as the rest of the crew were starting to get concerned. No, wait! I tried to yell, but it was too late. They'd already barged in. What the hell happened to the professor? One of them asked as they went to check on him. It was too late. They'd already breathed the same air as us, which meant they would be dead in a couple of hours at most. Only a minute after they touched him, the first crewman started coughing violently, then the second, third, and before the hour had passed, they were all dying. They called for help. No one came, because they didn't want to release the contagion. I was the only healthy one, which led the administration to believe that there might be a cure in my blood. They demanded blood samples be taken from me, but as the crew fell unconscious, I had to make a decision. If I let any sample escape this lab, the pathogen would be out there. So I did the only right thing. 
I disabled the only entrance into the lab, putting myself into eternal lockdown. What are you doing, Carl? One of the security guards said over the loudspeakers. We're sending in a hazmat team to save your sorry ass. Open the damn door. I can't. You'll get infected, he said. No, I won't. I'm not going to die from this, but everyone that gets near me will. If I open this door, I'll start the spread to the outside world. There's no other way. But then I heard him cough through the radio, which is when it hit me that the professor had opened up the vents, allowing the toxic air within to mix with theirs. What the hell is happening to me? The security guard said over the radio. He was dead, just like everyone else within the building. Listen, you need to seal down the building. No, I, I can't. If you don't do it now, everyone is going to die. He left the radio, and I could only pray that we weren't too late. Even the hazmat team was coughing their lungs out. They'd been infected before they even came down here. The only one immune was myself, because I was the ultimate carrier. I locked it down. I, I... The security guard said over the radio with his last breath. Everyone died shortly after that. With the building on permanent lockdown, I was alone. That was seven months ago. Since then, I've been working on finding a cure for myself. But I'm just not smart enough. Supplies have run out, and as I'm typing this, my vision has gone blurry with hunger and thirst. I'm going to die soon. But as long as the contagion remains within this building, it will have been worth it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We were just chilling in front of the television, idly watching the colorful images without thinking too much about its actual content. That had always been our usual routine, to get home, not speak, and just turn our brains off for the evening. But on that night in particular, all of our phones went off within 15 seconds of each other. We all jumped to attention in confusion, checking our phones simultaneously. All it had been was a simple message, but one carrying a crystal clear meaning. Emergency alert. This is a message to the citizens of Newport. Do not leave your homes. Stay inside and don't open the door to anyone, not even your own family or friends. This is not a test. Stay inside. Turn off the lights. Our minds raced, but none of us were able to speak a single word. I looked over at my dad, who'd put on his glasses to make sure he read the message correctly. My mother seemed worried, her eyes filled to the brim with panic. What is this? My dad finally asked. While the message was clear, it didn't really explain the situation. It was the first and only emergency alert we'd ever received in our small town, apart from the occasional test message. It was real. Something dangerous was on its way, and we hadn't the faintest idea what. I went over to the window, only to see each and every one of our neighbors begin to turn the lights off. Within a couple of minutes, the entire neighborhood had turned dark, 
leaving us confused in a haze of ignorance. I'm calling the police, Dad said as he dialed the number. It started to ring, and Dad put the phone on speaker. But instead of a person picking up, he just received an automated message. We're experiencing heavy call volumes at this time. Please do not hang up. You will be redirected to one of our dispatchers shortly. What is going on? Mom asked. I don't know. This is... Dad said before trailing off. I still stood by the window, watching the empty neighborhood, wondering if anyone would defy the message and go outside. In the meantime, Dad was trying to call the police again. After the third attempt, he tried to reach his co-worker instead, who lived further downtown. Hey, David, did you get the same message as us? Dad asked. Yeah, it's bizarre. Most people are staying inside, though. A few went out on the street to mess around. Those idiots. They seem fine. But I don't know. Wait, what's that? Dad waited patiently as David went silent on the other end of the line. I think the military is out on the street. But they look odd. They're all wearing gas masks. But they have three eyes. I don't even know what kind of weapons they're carrying. Can you take a picture and send it to us? I'll try. Hold on. A few seconds passed, and another beep could be heard from my dad's phone, signifying that we'd received a picture. My dad quickly opened it, but what greeted us was little more than a tangled mess of colors from a clearly corrupt photograph. David, the picture isn't showing up. Try again. Yeah, it doesn't work. The camera won't save the pictures correctly. A loud screech took over the line, shoving us all to the ground as we held our hands tightly over our ears. Though it came from the phone, it was an impossible sound that should have blown the speakers to smithereens in a second. Once the sound had subsided, we could still hear someone frantically breathing on the other end. David, what happened? They, they killed, killed them all. They shot them with these weapons, just shredded them to pieces. All that, that's is, is, he stuttered. David, you need to hide, dad yelled. But they're, they're just standing there. It's like they're frozen in place. I don't understand. Why are they doing this? Why are they... His words froze in his throat. Oh, my God. They saw me. They're coming towards me. They're... Then the line fell dead. Dad tried to call David back, but no one responded. Our house felt dead silent, only interrupted by the intermittent beeps produced by the calling phone. My mom wandered nervously around the house, and I just stared at the window, paranoid that something might break through the door. He's gone. David, pick up the damn phone, Dad mumbled to himself. That's when I saw them, walking down the street. They weren't moving normally, and their steps were too quick, each movement snapping into place. They were wearing strange uniforms that might have looked like military uniforms in the dark. But once they got closer, it was clear they weren't even human. One of the neighbor's doors shut open, and the Johnsons came running towards the military, thinking they were finally safe. But no sooner had they been spotted by the marching creatures before they lifted their weapons. The same screech filled the neighborhood, almost knocking me to the ground as the air literally started to vibrate. The family screamed in agony for a moment, but within seconds, their bodies just started disintegrating until all that was left 
was a pile of flesh that resembled minced meat. I wanted to scream, but before I got the chance, my dad put his hand over my mouth. Do you want to die? Keep your mouth shut, he whispered. Just that mere sound briefly turned the creature's attention in our direction. But once we fell silent, they just stopped. There they stood, as if frozen in time. For minutes, all we could do was stare at them in shock. Then, one of the neighbor's automatic lights turned on, triggered by the cat returning home. The same second, the creatures all turned to the house, raising their weapons and firing. As the loud sound rang through the house, my dad grabbed me and my mom. We were taking the opportunity to flee to the basement, where we prayed we might be safe at least for a while. We never even saw what happened to the neighbor's house. We just heard the screams of agony as they all fell to pieces. Now we're just hiding down here, without food, without water. We've tried to call for help, but no one is picking up. Whether it's because they're dead or hiding, we don't know. So I'm sending this, a hopeless call for help. If anyone out there receives this, please save us. We don't have much time left. Thanks for listening. If you're tuning in on Apple Podcast, please take a second and leave a rating. Also, don't forget to check out my animated horror stories on YouTube. Just search Dr. No Sleep in the search bar to find my channel.